0: As you join us again this morning, we thank you for your continued support of our ministry and all that God is doing in your life. Today, we are looking at a sermon dealing with the original I. It will tee up our new sermon series that will begin on Easter Sunday called No Longer I. Today, we want to invite you to get a teaser of what that's going to look like in the future. We hope that you will make plans to come and join us on Easter Sunday and go through this series together and learning what it's about to be no longer I. I hope this message will strengthen you today. And so if you have your Bible, if you will take it and turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. And then you may want to turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at the original I, the power of I, and where it all began. In Isaiah chapter 14, I'm going to read a couple of verses, but we're going to kind of talk about the whole chapter. So turn your Bible there, crank up your smartphone, your handy dandy new device that has God's word on it. And let's read in Isaiah chapter 14 in verse one. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will choose Israel again. He will settle them in their own land. The foreigner will join them and be united with the house of Jacob. The nations will escort Israel and bring it to its homeland. Then the house of Israel will possess them as male and female slaves in the Lord. And they will make captives of the, their captors and will rule over their oppressors now verses 3 through 11 begins to talk about uh time still yet to come which will deal with the millennial reign so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in those verses but skip with me to verse 12 lucifer shining morning star how you have fallen from the heavens you destroyer of the nations you have been cut down to the ground you said to yourself I will ascend to the heavens I will set up my throne above the stars of God I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north I will ascend above the high clouds and I will make myself like the most high God. But you will be brought down to shoal and the deepest parts of the pit. Now, when you move beyond that, he shifts gears and uh, theologically and contextually, he transitions to another idea, but all of it was dealing with the idea of the world's economy and Satan. You may remember Jesus saying, Behold, I saw Lucifer falling like lightning from heaven. And so when we come back here into verse 12, he kind of gets down to where the rubber really meets the road. The Bible talks about in the book of Ezekiel how Lucifer was the most perfect creature, ever, perfect being ever created. Matter of fact, it, it, it really gets into a great deal of specificity about his adorning, his outer covering, and how it was jewels and all those things. And how his body made music. His job, Lucifer, was to lead the sons of God to worship God. He didn't have to have a keyboardist, no offense Kim, no guitarist, no offense HB, no drummer, no offense Kenny. He, had, he was a band. He was the original iPod. He made the music. But the problem was, he was the original I problem. Now, why did I read verses 1 through 3 for you? Well, it's very interesting. One One of the guys that I really always is a bedrock to go back to and get some insight from theological positions is a guy named J. Vernon McGee. And I was reading his book on this, in chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And he actually said, this verse has not yet been fulfilled. And when he read that, it really grabbed my heart, because now we look at that because it's already been fulfilled. Now we look at the next few verses that are yet to be fulfilled in that text, dealing with Babylon and how God will deal with Babylon. Now let me just say today that when you look at the news, it may seem like we are on the losing team. Benjamin Netanyahu made in his speech, he said what a tragedy it would be to win the battle but lose the war. But I want you to know something on the authority of the word of God. The war will not be lost because God is the victor. It may seem like evil is abounding and evil is triumphing over good but i want you to understand something that god has said god has declared and it will be fulfilled when i was reading this verse right here the, the first thing i want you to understand in this passage of scripture is the power of god the power to proclaim god made a proclamation right here in these few verses. And here's what he's proclaiming to Israel. He is proclaiming the favor of God upon them. Matter of fact, what God is saying to Isaiah the prophet, he says, it may seem like I have forgot the promise that I made to Abraham, but I want you to understand something, that I am a covenant-keeping God. And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to understand something on the authority of the word of God, that Israel has found the favor of God over 6,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, Abraham found the favor of God, God initiated the covenant with Abraham, not Abraham initiating the covenant with God, and God is going to keep his covenant. I want you to understand something today with all the hype and the news today. It may seem like that evil will prevail over Israel. Now, the reason I'm really camping out on this is because it's, it's pretty fresh in the news. But what I want you to understand today is the word of God says that Israel will be the victor. Do you realize that God scattered them abroad? God brought them back? And here's what God says. I will have compassion on Jacob. I will have compassion on Israel. Look at this. Circle it in your Bible. Highlight it on your smart device again. Again. Why? Because he is a compassionate God. That when we break his heart, when we stray from the camp of God, that he loves us enough to chase after us. Matter of fact, he raised up a prophet in the Old Testament named Hosea. And here's what he said, would you go and love a harlot? And Hosea went and loved a harlot, Gomer, and she went off whoring around after other gods. After other men. And he told Hosea, he said, go and love her again. And Hosea went and he loved her again. And there she was on the auction block being auctioned off as a sex slave. And you know what happened? Hosea bought her and brought her home. And then he said, let me tell you something, Hosea. Go and find my children of Israel and say, I will do the same thing for you. God loved Israel. God loved Israel. God loved Israel again. Israel didn't love God. God loved Israel. Israel didn't love God. God loved Israel. I'm telling you that God is pursuing us. You say say he's pursuing Israel. Well, we understand in the Old Testament that he came to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant that he made with him. But we know that we as Gentiles have been grafted into the covenant of Abraham by the grace of God. We know that clear revelation in the Bible when he went to Peter at Cornelius and declared all things clean. So the power of the proclamation was the favor on Israel. But it was also another powerful proclamation that was beyond the favor It was faithfulness. Faithfulness. One of my favorite scriptures in the book of Timothy is that even when we are faithless, God is faithful. Even though when we stray... God is faithful. I want you to understand something. It's not about you loving God, but the Bible says in 1 John that God first loved us and gave His Son as the propitiation for our sin. In other words, the payment for our sin. Why? Because God is faithful, because God loves us, because God wishes none should perish, but all have everlasting life. Why did I put these verses in there? Because I want you to understand that when God says nations will escort Israel home. I happen to remember when the first George Bush was president. And Russia allowed the Jews to return home. I can remember as a high school student about to graduate. I can remember President H.W. Bush H. President George H. He, he sent, He here's what he did. He gathered together a bunch of airplanes, and he took all the seats out of the airplanes. And he flew these airplanes into Russia to pick up the Jews, put them on that airplane, and get them out while the getting was good, and bring them back to their homeland. Now, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if that isn't ushering you in, if that isn't escorting, if that is not other nations escorting the children of God to the land of God, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, that's a pretty fundamental principle. That's not in the Bible. That's in my history book. Well, maybe not in our history books today. It's in my history book right here in my mind. I remember turning on the news. I remember hearing about it. I remember learning about it. And I want you to understand something today. That God is faithful regardless of what's going on. God is faithful. There was the proclamation of God. Now in the middle of this, this is important. You say, Pastor, why in the world did he shift all of a sudden and talk about Lucifer? Because the next few verses look, the downfall of the king of Babylon. Babylon is fallen. Now, Now, boy, there's a whole message in eschatology there that I don't want to get hung up on this morning because I would love to preach on that and what's going to happen to Babylon and this world and Babylon's economy. But here's the main thing I want you to know is that in verses 3 through 11, God talks about how Babylon will fall. Will fall. And then all of a sudden, He shifts to verse 12 and He talks about the leader of Babylon. Babylon. The Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, it talks about that we are no longer children of darkness. We are no longer led by the prince of the power of the air, being Satan, being Lucifer, who is walking to and fro and 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 trying to destroy and deviate people from the plan of God, the way of God, and the purpose of God in their life. And he addresses it head on and he says, the morning star, how you have fallen. Now he's going back. Because this happened before the Garden of Eden. Because when Adam and Eve showed up in the Garden of Eden, guess who was already there? Lucifer. He had already fallen. He was already crawling around in the dust of the earth. He was just waiting on the seed of woman to come and bruise his head and crush it. Crush his head. With the heel of the seed of God. That's why we know that he's continually tried to exterminate the Jews. Because he was trying to kill off the seed. That would lead to the Messiah. He almost did it under the reign of Athaliah. She killed off her own grandkids. Trying to exterminate the Jews. You remember not long ago. If you watched the speech of, of of Benjamin Netanyahu. He talked about Esther. In the day of Esther. They tried to eradicate the Jews. And it, and listen. When he couldn't eradicate the Jews. And Jesus came anyway. I'm telling you. Satan knew that he had to do everything. To eradicate jesus that he was the messiah because satan was the original i problem for here's what he says i didn't make this stuff up i will ascend to the heavens i will set up my throne above god's throne i will sit on the mount of the god's assembly I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. Now, for all you melancholy people, if you're struggling with the blanks there, they're right here in the Bible. It's underlined right there. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Here's what he will do right there. I underline them in my book. You see, the problem was he had an issue with spiritual authority. And that was his demise. You realize his demise wasn't adultery, homosexuality, drunkenness. You realize his demise was, was just simply Pride. And he says, I will be above God. How many times do we put ourselves above God and say, I don't care what God says. I know better. I know better. And so the problem with Lucifer was he had a problem with the eye. Only it wasn't these eyes. It was the big eye himself. The guy who was the original iPod, who had music coming from without at the push of a button. The Bible says he was the most beautiful creature ever created. It wasn't enough. The Bible says that he was the seal of perfection. But it wasn't enough. To be the seal of perfection wasn't enough for Lucifer. He had to be above God. And he had a problem with spiritual authority and what God was doing in his life. And so you see in this passage of Scripture, we see very clearly that what God is doing is so interesting. What God is up to is so interesting. Not only was there the power of the proclamation, but there was the power of pride. The power of pride. I will, I will, I will, I will. I will just be above God. Today, my friends, that's why Satan knew that after he had fallen, he had to exterminate Jesus. You may remember this story if you've been around church any amount of time. If not, you probably remember this story anyway. I mean, Matthew 4 is so interesting. In Matthew 4, it's the temptation of Jesus, and uh, he tempted him. You remember he had been fasting for 40 days, and he was hungry, and he came and said, well, how about some bread? Well, for those of you who broke a fast, uh you know the last thing you really wanted was bread can i get a witness but nevertheless he came to him and said man if you're hungry why don't you turn these bread into stones and you know the bible says uh uh if you are the son of god it says he's he give his angels charge over you he said let's just see if that's true why don't you just jump off this cliff right here took him up to a high place said jump off this baby let's see if the angels will catch you jesus used the word he says you shall not tempt the lord your god But look at verse 8 in Matthew 4. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will just bow down and worship me. Wait a minute. Doesn't that sound familiar? When he couldn't figure this thing out over in Isaiah chapter fourteen, and 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 when he when he was unable to put his throne above God's throne, he thought, "Man, I have got to just get this royal seed crushed, or the royal seed will crush me." And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, here's what he said: All of this is mine. And people say, "Well, was did that was a dumb offer because?" Because everything's God's. And he's offering him what's already his. Well, it is already his, but we know that in this dispensation of time that we're living in, that Lucifer has power over this earthly dominion. And all the angels that fell with him, all those demons that fell with him, have power in this realm that we live in. Now, here's the interesting thing. He says, if you will just bow down and worship me, I will give you the power of all that I have power over. Now, what Jesus really knew was the truth, and he knew, well, one day, buddy, soon and very soon, I'm going to crush your stinking head anyway. He says, if you will just bow down and worship me. See, the heart was revealed. The problem with the eye. And the problem with the eye was... I want God to worship me. See, what happened, it wasn't good enough for Lucifer to be the seal of perfection. It wasn't good enough for him to lead all the legions of angels to worship God. It wasn't good enough for him to make music by himself. It wasn't good enough for him to have all the power. It wasn't good enough for him to be the seal of perfection. He wanted to be greater than God. Many men have had that same problem. And they've all met their own demise. Because there is no one greater in the past. There's never been anyone greater. And there will never be anyone greater than the power of God the Father. See, there was the power of the proclamation. There was the power of the pride. But then there was the power to prevail. (laughs) I love this. I love this part. So Satan lists off all of his issues and eye problems and what he's doing in his heart and life. And then go with me down to verse 15. But you will be brought down, buddy. Verse 16. Those who see you will stare at you. And they will look closely at you. Is this the man who calls the earth to tremble? Because he did. Is this the man who shook the kingdoms, who turned the world into wilderness? Is this the man who trampled cities, who would not release the prisoners to return home? Verse 18, all the kings of the nations, life and splendor, each in his own tomb. And he talks about all this. And verse 22 says, I, God, will rise up against them. The declaration of the Lord of hosts says, I will cut off from Babylon her reputation, her remnant, offspring, posterity, the Lord's declaration. I will make a swampland and a region for all the animals, and I will sweep her away with a broom of destruction. And then it goes into the Assyrian proclamation For as I have planned, so I have purposed it. I will break Syria, I will tread them down. Then the yoke will be taken away, and the burden will be removed. This is the plan that I have prepared. My friends today, good always trumps, triumphs, may seem like a cliche to you. But it's more than that. It's a biblical principle. That a many a nations has tried to, a many a people has had the problem with the eye. And it's all brought them down. And they've met their demise. You know what's interesting about that proclamation in 14, 1 through 3? It was speaking of when they were no longer a nation. But after World War II, they didn't even own their own property, and Britain gave them their land back, and the Jews began to return home. Nations began to escort them back. Isaiah says that the root of Jesse would serve as a banner, which in the Hebrew translates flag. And what's on the Israeli flag? The root of Jesse star of david who was the root of jesse will wave and the people begin to call them home and it says they will come from all the places of the world and people would bring them back you know what's interesting is that just a few years ago they were not strong enough for anything people had to run to their defense but when they were weak when they were frail when they had no strength and all the worlds were coming against them what happened in the six-day war God prevailed you know what was interesting in the address of Netanyahu the other day he says in the past Israel has been unable to take care of their self, but now we are a strong nation and we can defend ourselves you know what that is that's a fulfillment of biblical principle and I'm going to get off of that because I could get hung up on eschatology again and I'm out of time but one day all the world's coming for us. But the original eye, not Satan, he was the one who had the problem with the original eye, being Yahweh, God. God said, I will prevail. Can I ask you the question that uh, he asked Saul on the road to Damascus? I'll put this in modern terms. Imagine, if you will, a long post with a point on the end of it. Very pointed on the end. He says, S- Saul, how long will you continue to kick against the point? The goad is what it was called. How long will you continue to kick against the point? How long will you continue to fight me? I love you, Saul. I have a plan for you. How long will you continue to rebel against the plan that I have for you? Won't you surrender? And on the road to Damascus, Saul didn't throw his hands up. He was looking face up because he's on his back. And it all transformed for him. And from that point on, it was no longer I. It was no longer I for Saul. Matter of fact, he became Paul. So I'll tell you that was a big no longer I. God is trying to get us to a place where it is no longer I but him. No longer me, but him. Satan had it all, the seal of perfection. Lucifer was his name. Lucifer was his name, the seal of perfection. But he wasn't willing to surrender and obey. So therefore, therefore, he met his demise. Don't meet your demise. Don't live your life and look back and say, Boy, I wish I would have obeyed. I wish I would have just agreed with God in His Word and found the perfect peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you're there at home today and you're saying, Pastor, what do I do? Where do I turn? Where does this fit into my life? right where you are, just as you are. Just say, Lord, I surrender all my plans, all my dreams, all my will for what you want. And He'll meet you right where you are. And then find you a church somewhere. I realize that you may be too far from Alexandria to commute here, but find you a Bible preaching church that will believe and support the vision that God as for you. And you will see great things begin to happen in your heart and life as you trust and obey. And family of grace, if we can help with that journey, it'd be our greatest joy and our greatest privilege to be able to be part of it.